The shortened week started off in fiery fashion. We could see this huge fire from the 30th floor here at 201 Portage Avenue. Big fire on Sutherland Avenue. The flames were gigantic. The smoke plume was, it was more like a volcano. And Clay Young joined us live from the scene several times. The Much Music Experience Tour is coming to Centennial Concert Hall on November 27th. It's a documentary screening followed by an intimate and interactive session with several of the old VJs. We spoke to the director of that documentary about what made Much Music so special once upon a time. And Greg did something kind of dumb the other day. He falls on the sword and then we ask you, have you ever had a moment where you thought to yourself, wow, I never thought I'd be that person? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's gone for a couple of weeks. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, July 4th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is now off for a couple of weeks, and normally we'd like to start off, ease you back in, Mr. Greg. Welcome back. But, uh... We've got a big situation underway right now. Yes, we certainly do. North Point, Douglas, we've got a large fire. Uh, Pulse Point reporting at least 20 pieces of equipment on scene. Also on scene, Global News Morning reporter Clay Young. Clay, good morning. Hey, how are you? We're doing okay here, Clay. Uh, we were sitting up here uh, high above Portage and Main, 30 floors above, and looked to my left, and we looked at each other. That's a Pretty big fire. So tell us where you are and what you see at ground level. Yeah, I, you know, when I when I passed by you and I looked out the window, and it was still dark, you know, it was still quite dark outside at 5 o'clock, and the sky was just lit up. Uh, huge amounts of, of red flame shooting into the sky. Uh, right now, uh, folks, we're, uh, on, um, we're on Maple Street. Uh, just down from this fire, it it looks like it's it's a warehouse. The exact address I've been given is 150 Sutherland Avenue. As mentioned, it uh, broke out about five o'clock this morning. Some people have told us it's a it's a welding shop. Others are identifying it as the Merritt Building. I'm with uh, Keith now. Keith uh, lives just down the block from this fire. Uh, thank you for joining us. So, uh, when did you notice this fire? I noticed it at 5 in the morning, but I was making breakfast. So you looked out the window, you're making breakfast. What do you see? Just big black plumes of smoke. What do you know about this building? Like I said, I applied there once. I was a welder, and back then it was a welding shop. So I went in there, and I had, I had applied before it had closed down. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know it was closing down, mm-hmm. so I went and applied. Yeah. And before we uh, before we let you go, now you live what a couple of blocks from here? I live on Lauren Avenue. Okay, and you you've told us that you know you, you and everyone else around here are very concerned about a rash of fires that have been yeah. taking place in this neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, the street behind me on uh, on uh, sorry I forget the name, but it, it was uh, a, a duplex that caught was fully engulfed in fire two days ago. Mm-hmm. And there's been a rash of fires down Austin mm-hmm. and down on this side of Selkirk Avenue. Okay. So, like I said, we're quite concerned because we don't know if it's just if it, you know what the cause is. The cause is if it, they could be accidental, they could some of these could be deliberately set. Hey, I, I believe they're deliberately set. Okay. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Um, we're just waiting to hear from the fire captain. He's way down the street there, but he can give us a lot more details. As far as we know, uh, no injuries, at least that that's for the moment. But uh, that's what we know so far. Clay, so a couple of things here. Winnipegers all over the city are going to be able to see the smoke from this fire. There were concerns that maybe it was the old CP rail station that's now the uh, the Indigenous, the Aboriginal Centre on Higgins. That is not the case. That is not the building. We can confirm that 1,000%. But this is this is as big of a fire. We see fires and the, and the, and the plumes of smoke on a regular basis from our perch here at, at 201 Portage. This is as big of a fire as I think I've ever seen, Clay. I was uh, amazed. I, you know, when I looked out the window, I, I thought I was seeing things. I did a double take, and just a, a huge amount of flames firing into the sky. It's been a long. I think the last time I saw a fire like this, this big, was that uh, fire that happened. Oh, this would have been a couple of winters ago on Portage Avenue. It knocked out a whole. Uh, half a block there i don't know if you recall that i'm trying to recall it right now i think it was that was that the west end biz uh, office the yes. building that yes. contained that yes. yeah 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 same sort of flames uh, that were shooting out of that building was what we saw this morning here global news mornings clay young thank you for this update clay we appreciate it okay bye and talk you, to you later all right and if you want to see the fire, we have posted a video, of, as Greg mentioned, from our view up here on the 30th floor at 201 Portage. We've put it up on our Instagram, at 680CJOB. Indeed, uh, Greg sort of poked his head into the studio and says, you uh, got to come and take a look at this fire. And indeed, uh, we've seen, uh, we, as Greg mentioned, we've seen a lot of these, but I've never seen uh, a blaze like this. So lots of questions will come out of this. Fire crews uh, doing what they do in battling this fire. The questions about, is this in fact a, another vacant building? What is the origin of the fire? People will be wanting to know that. That's for sure. Was there anybody, were there people inside at any point? But also, I suspect, Brett, this is going to once again uh, ignite, pardon the pun, uh, conversation about derelict and, and vacant bi- buildings in our community and the dangers that they pose. And Todd uh, shooting us a note to say that you can smell the smoke all the way out at uh, Springfield and Lajemodier wow. from that particular fire. So again, if you want to see it, uh, we'll have, uh, we have the video on our Instagram at 680CJOB and Clay is at the scene and we'll have more uh, through the morning on the start and on Global News Morning as well. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off for a couple of weeks, and there's a lot of smoke in downtown Winnipeg this morning, Greg, but not necessarily because of the wildfires. Clay Young is on on Sutherland Avenue and joins us now. Large, massive, really, is the more accurate word here, Clay Young. Uh, a fire that broke out around 5 o'clock this morning. Thick black smoke, a tremendous volume of red and orange flame is being replaced mostly at least about five min- minutes ago when I looked out the window by uh, mostly white smoke now. What do you see from where you are, Clay? Uh, where I'm looking at right now, you can still see... Uh some tickling of, of flames just shooting out from the top of the roof of this structure. Uh, the exact uh, address that we've been given is 150 Sutherland Avenue, um, where this fire 
uh, broke out, as you mentioned, uh, around 5 o'clock this morning. And when we got here, uh, the the building was engulfed in flames. Like like you said there, uh, Greg, it was just uh, huge orange plumes, uh, not plumes, but, but red balls of fire shooting up into the air. Now we're looking at just big plumes of smoke uh, now going up into the sky. Uh, from what we understand, this was a welding shop uh, identified as the uh, Merritt Building. Uh, we've had no word of any injuries. As for the cause, the residents we've been talking to say, well, they know the cause, but we don't know officially what the cause is. But Point Douglas has seen numerous fires over the past few weeks, months, maybe the past year that have been suspicious in nature. Uh, right now, the, the, the crews are still just pouring water on the structure. Uh, we hope to have the fire captain uh, with us shortly. One of our listeners uh, saying that they did work in that building once upon a time, Merritt Iron, uh, now located at 965 Logan. So we'll be working to to confirm a bunch of different stuff with regard to uh, the identity of that building, confirm what's there now, what's not there now, maybe more importantly, Clay. Yeah, as you, as you can realize, the only the only person at the scene of fires like this that that will speak to the media and can clarify everything is is the uh, is the fire captain. He's easily identified. I mean, I can see him from where I am, but I it's uh, taped off with uh, police tape. Uh, he's the guy with the white with the white helmet. You always look for him when you come to a fire scene, but he's obviously busy. But we'll get him. Don't worry about that. All right, Global's Clay Young. Thank you very much, Clay, and he'll have more through the morning on 680 CJOB and on Global News Morning on Global News Winnipeg. Now, after days of face-to-face talks with the striking longshore workers, the BC Maritime Employers Association says at this point, bargaining is not going to lead to a deal. Yeah, and because this is happening in British Columbia doesn't mean this is not a national story, Brett. More than 7,000 workers hit the picket lines on Canada Day in a strike that's expected to have a major impact on the Canadian economy. Global's Grace Key has the latest. It appears both sides couldn't be further apart in this labour dispute. The BC Maritime Employers Association sent out a statement reading in part, the BC MEA is of the view that a continuation of bargaining at this time is not going to produce a collective agreement. They listed a number of reasons, including redefining regular maintenance work, the union being unable to fulfill the trades work they have exclusive jurisdiction over, unreasonable compensation and they brought up pay, saying in 2022, the median salary of a longshore worker in the province was $136,000. In the past 13 years, wages went up 40% ahead of inflation at 30%. More than 7,000 members of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union walked off the job on Canada Day. If a deal can't be reached at the table, some say it's time for the government to step in if this drags out. The federal government will have no choice but to introduce a back-to-work legislation if this continues for a few more days. We reached out to the union. They said they had no update, but on Sunday, the union president had a clear message for the government. The federal government must stay out of our business. If the BCMEA gets their way, and their way is to let the government make this collective agreement for them, there will never be labor peace on the waterfront. 
this deal must be reached at the collective bargaining table with the ILW Canada Longshore Division and the BCMEA. There's sure to be pressure here, Brett, on the federal government to get involved. And I think that's why we hear that comment there from the, from the union leader with regard to, you know, telling the federal government, saying, stay out of our business. This is not the way to get things done. There's already pressure from Danielle Smith, the premier of Alberta, for the federal government to uh, get involved in this and to make sure that this strike is as sh- short as possible because the, imp- the impacts on the Canadian economy are, are far-reaching without question. And we just talked last week about labor strife. We had hydro workers, Manitoba hydro workers, go on strike. There, there's talking of a potential strike for you know liquor workers in Manitoba. Uh, on a on a more entertainment scale, we have the writers, the Hollywood writers on strike. The actors, uh, they've put they've delayed their strike. They're they've back at the nego- but it just we had the big peace act strike. Um, so. <laughs> It's been a tumultuous year on the labor front. Yeah, and I, you have to wonder if this is just a sign of things to come, if this is peaking or if this is just the beginning. I have no way to to know. You have no way to know. I'd be interesting, interested to know what the labor experts have to say on that front because uh, as the economy continues to chug along, so does inflation. It's slowing down somewhat, but... There are lots of people who've been working for quite some time without any raise whatsoever, and they see as this this as the time to uh, to make their move to to get more money. So you can weigh in at 204-780-6868. You can read more on this at cjob.com. Mackling and McGarry McNabb's off for a couple of weeks. Heads up, we've got a concert announcement coming up at 8.05, and then we'll tell you how you can win tickets for that. Also, today on the start, we have two prizes up for grabs. We have tickets for Friday's Bomber Game, Stampeders in town, or you can win tickets for The Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course coming to IG Field August 4th for the 7th. So, our winner will choose which of those two prizes they want, and then we'll have we'll give away the other prize after nine thirty. And it has to do with something Greg did. When did you do this? Was it just yesterday? Well, last Friday. Last Friday. Mm-hmm. It's still hanging over you like a dark yeah, cloud. Yeah, yeah. If I had the choice, I've shared this with you, and now in retrospect, I feel as though this is a mistake to go public <laughs> with this admission with with this. Action or maybe lack of action on my part. I went to get gas. I, I heard the rumors. Uh, people were saying that gas prices are going to go up. You better fill up before Canada Day. As far as I can tell, gas prices are still yeah. kind of locked in at 157.9. That's beside the point. So uh, normally I'm a co-op, Red River co-op m- a member. And so normally I go to the full service pumps. And there wasn't one available. In fact, there was a little bit of a line for the full service. So I did, uh, did a self-serve. And then I realized that it was Friday, and so that meant I needed a Lotto Max ticket. So I was just going to pump my gas and then go inside and pay and get my Lotto ticket. But they wouldn't let me. I had to prepay for my gas. So I paid at the pump and then did the old clickeroo and locked in the gas pump and went inside to go and Mm -hmm. get my Lotto Max ticket. And then I went and got in the car and uh, started the car and drove away. I forgot one step in the process 
I forgot to take the nozzle out of my vehicle and hang it back up on the gas tank. And I heard this massive thud, looked in my side view mirror, and there was the pump still stuck in my car. I'm like, that's not supposed to be there. (laughs) So I sat for a few moments in shame, realizing that I had become this person that you only see on social media in surveillance videos as as the bozo who pulled away from from the gas pump without putting back the, the nozzle onto the pump. And so now I'm in that club and I'm sharing this with you this morning in, in great amount of embarrassment to spare. But did gasoline go spraying all over the place? It did not. It disconnected immediately. There's some sort of connect, disconnect on the pump. It separated immediately. I, I don't even think i go back. Ju- oh yeah. I jumped out and I pressed the little uh, intercom thing. Uh, excuse me. Um, I kind of broke your pump. I hung it back up on the gas thingy on the pump thingy. And uh, yeah, thank you. Bye. <laughs> and, I, and I slunk away. So that, yeah. That's, that's a slunk. That's a very, that's a slunk away situation. Yeah. Get out of there. And then, you know, yeah. Sit so, with that all day long. So I'm sorry, Red River co-op. All right. So our question for you at 204-780-6868. Have you ever had a, uh, I never thought I would be that person moment. Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you? Well, this is, um, uh, I, I never thought I would be doing this, but like somebody who has got to the point where it's like, I'm putting flax on things <laughs> and like I'm putting turmeric <laughs> on stuff and I'm looking up the health benefits of, you know, an enhanced fiber diet and, how many berries should I eat in a day and how much fruit and all. I've never really been a big fruit person. I've, I've always like liked fruit, but when people started like talking about, you have to have this peach, this is the most incredible peach you've ever had in your life. And I, okay, it's a the Mackinac, it's, yeah, the Mackinac, Mackinac peach. It's, it's a peach. It's a decent peach. I'm not, it's not blowing my mind. This thing doesn't come close to like a good steak or a good burger or something like that. Let's live in, let's live in reality here. People like it's a, it's a, very good strawberry. I had over the weekend an extremely good strawberry. It's a little strawberry. I've great green. I've had great green beans in my life. It's a green bean, but um, uh, but like yeah, I'm making rice and puts a little turmeric on there. I'll put it with some ground up flax. Good for the digestion. You know, drinking kombucha. Good for your gut biome. Like, <laughs> what the heck's going on here? So you never thought you'd be that guy who's monitoring and maintaining regularity. (laughs) Jets at noon sponsored by Metamucil. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once you start, once you get to that point and you start thinking about things like that, like I never thought I, I remember when I got my house and we had, we went out and bought supplies. I got so excited at Canadian tire when I found this snow shovel and it was one of those, it was like a hybrid where it was like a part scoop and part just shovel. And it had this unique handle where you could like either you could lift and chuck or you could just push it. And uh, so I was really pumped when I found it and I was explaining it, I think to my parents and my mom started laughing at me and said, <laughs> Look at you! You're getting excited over a snow shovel. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, yeah. That's, uh-huh. uh, what happened, Forte? What about you? 
For me, it was about uh, probably like two months ago. I'm out for a walk. I'm walking down Henderson, and right in front of me, a car crash just happens. I never thought I'd be the guy who'd run to the street making sure everyone's okay and helping people get out of their vehicles. And uh, it was almost surreal. So it was, a, it was a whole thing that happened right in front of me. And so, yeah, I jumped out, uh, jumped out into the streets. There's no other cars around. And, uh, yeah, I helped out uh, pastors get out of the vehicle and uh, had to actually pry the driver car door open. So it was pretty crazy. Anybody hurt? He's a superstar. No. Um, Hold him, he's Batman. I think everyone was basically okay except for the driver one car. Uh, he got T-boned. Uh, the driver got T-boned, and I think he was just a little out of it because uh, he tried walking away at one point and just saying, my life is over, my life is over. Oh. And we had to sit him down. But, uh, yeah, I was the one who phoned 911. It was, uh, it was a crazy, crazy thing that just happened right in front of me. Never thought I'd be that guy to uh, help out in have, a car crash. Have you had to... Take any like follow up phone calls from MPI or anything? Surprisingly, no. Uh, yeah, because it was it was pretty obvious who is uh, at fault. So ah, fair. Well, hey, good for you for jumping no in. Kidding into the breach. On Talk the, about jumping to the pump. On the entirely opposite, uh, like level of heroism. Just on the weekend, actually, at the golf. This this wasn't me. This was uh, one of my buddies. There is this guy. Uh, we were at Kingswood LaSalle, and this guy was he was going backwards. He was like riding his car sort of back towards us, and we thought he lost a golf club, but he lost his phone. Couldn't find his phone, and we saw this poor guy driving all over Hell's Half Acre trying to find this thing. And one of my buddies makes this smarmy comment, like, "How do you lose your phone in a golf cart?" And I said, "I've done it." Like the golf carts are bouncy, and even though it might be tucked into one of the the little compartments, you hit a bump, but things go flying out of your golf cart. And I it happened to me once, and I, I knew. Thankfully, I figured it out right away and was able to go find it. But um, and and then I'm not kidding. Two minutes after he says this, he says, "You're uh, you're not going to believe this, but uh, especially after what I just said, but I can't find my phone." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> thankfully, I just kind of looked over to my left and about 20 feet. It was on the ground? It was on the ground. It, Serious? But it popped out of his cart. See, and you, this is why I don't say things like that. I just, someone's listening and someone's going to get you back somehow, some way. <laughs> How do you lose your phone in a golf cart? <laughs> It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off for a couple of weeks on this Tuesday morning, in case you're just shaking off the cobwebs of the long weekend and forgot that it's Tuesday, as I did. Uh, thanks to a couple of our listeners who pointed out, I posted the video on our Instagram at 680CJOB of this massive fire over at uh, on Sutherland near Maple and uh, just mentioned that it was in the, te- the comment or the post that it was Monday morning which is not true. It just automatically was like, okay, it's first day of the week. It's Monday. Uh, so thanks for posting that. But if we want to see that video, uh, the, the flame, it just, I don't like using, it's weird to use the word spectacular for something that's not a good thing, but it was a spectacular sight from the 30th floor. Yeah, that is, uh, that's accurate for sure, Brett. Uh, like I said, the, we've seen lots of fires from, from where we sit uh, before we come on the air. And certainly while we are on the air, as we look in a different direction, we see smoke all the time. And just to back you up on the Monday thing, I thought yesterday was Jul- 4th of July. 
I sent messages to a bunch of my American friends. Oh, really? Nobody corrected me. I guess they thought I was just trying to get ahead of it. So happy 4th of July to our to our American friends in Manitoba listening this morning. And of course, to our American friends who might be listening on CJOB across the line as well. Well, let's head back out to the scene of that fire at 150 Sutherland Global News Mornings. Clay Young joins us once more. Uh, Clay, just looking out the window, it's still the, the, the amount of smoke coming out of that building is still quite, I guess maybe it's smoke and steam. Yeah, well, I can, I can give you a, a very quick update. Uh, the flames just a couple of minutes ago suddenly reappeared from the roof. All of a sudden, uh, orange flames just poured out of the roof again. I said, oh, they don't quite have a handle on this yet. Uh, now, again, big plumes of, of black smoke are filling the air. Fire crews, multiple fire crews are still pouring water on the structure. And here's a, here's an update. So uh, the media uh, was stationed here at Jarvis Avenue and Maple Street, uh, a good distance from the fire scene. Since uh, I talked to you last, a police officer came by, said, you guys are going to have to move, and you're going to have to move now. So we've been forced to go a little further up the street. We're now at Granville Street and Euclid Avenue, and the reason for that is uh, the police officer says there is a worry of uh, toxic smoke uh, coming out of this building now. And just now, just now, you can you can hear. I don't know if you can pick it up. There's big bangs come coming from that building. Where you must be able to hear that. We're we're told by a fire official. My cameraman Rudy says somebody with the fire department said part of the building is starting to collapse. Uh, we don't know if anyone's been hurt. We're still waiting to hear from the fire captain. And uh, I will, uh, you know what? You're not going to believe this. Uh, you can still hear me? can hear you uh, loud and clear, Clay. Go ahead. I think the fire captain's walking right toward me. Let me just see if, uh... Chief? Hi, good. Clay Young, CJOB, Global. We're, we're uh, live on the air. Uh, the rest of the media is back there. But can you tell us what's going on? Uh, fire crews arrived approximately 5 a.m., found heavy fire uh, coming from the roof of the structure. Um, it's a vacant building. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we've had some collapse zones uh, take place. Uh, word is we have the front building, which is burning, has uh, tire storage, so we have uh, heavy smoke in the, in the uh, neighborhood. Uh, transit buses are on their way to evacuate uh, anybody with health concerns. Um, we're... Uh, we're presently in a defensive strategy right now, just trying to uh, get a, a handle on the seat of the fire. Uh, cause of the fire? Cause of the fire is undetermined at this point. Yeah. Any injuries? Any concern there might have been somebody in there during that blaze? You know, somebody maybe looking for a place to stay for the night? It's too preliminary for us to make that determination. As uh, conditions improve, we will try and do a, uh, a search of the building. All right. And um, can I get your name and, and, and record and title, please? Uh, my name is Doug Grieve, Platoon Chief Fire Operations. Thank you, Chief. Hey, Clay. I need you for global. I need you for global here. But hang on, one of my colleagues wants me to ask you a quick question. Yeah, go ahead. Just curious if uh, if uh, we know that if this location has been uh, an issue for calls in the past. 
Has that particular building, have you been called there in the past at all? Do you know? Uh, we we have not. We understand that the, the uh, roof collapsed in part of the structure last winter due to uh, uh, snow load. Um, the building has been, uh, the, the major part of the building has been vacant for quite a while. Um, we're, uh, we're, right now we're, uh, we're just trying to uh, determine uh, what uh, we're trying to get a, a handle on the uh, the major part of the fire, but the whole roof has collapsed. Right. Uh, police officer had us move back a little bit. Uh, was there is there a concern about some some toxic fumes coming out of there? Uh, from our information, there is some tire storage, which is a toxic material. We've broken down some of our crews that are in that near vicinity and and in the collapse zone. Um, at this time. Uh, Traffic will be impeded, too, on Sutherland, as well as on Higgins. Good. All right. Um, thank you. Uh, we're going to get you on Global, but uh, my colleagues from other uh, media here want to talk to you now. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, just uh, by happen chance, uh, the fire captain was walking straight at me, and I just grabbed him. So that's what's going on here. Global's Clay Young joining us live on the scene of that fire this morning on Sutherland. Clay, thank you very much, sir. And also, I'll just quickly mention this, and we can maybe discuss this a bit more after traffic and weather, but Clay also on Global News Morning uh, was speaking with Councillor Jeff Brawati regarding this second coyote attack involving a four-year-old child again in your neck of the woods? Yeah, and in fact, it's getting... It's getting further south, so more inside the city. The first attack was just, you know, just north of Knowles Avenue. If you're familiar with North Kildonan, Knowles is sort of the border between Winnipeg and East St. Paul. And then Headmaster is sort of the next next east-west route. So that if it's the same coyote or different, doesn't matter. These attacks are bothersome. And uh, lots of coyotes were used to living with this animal in our neighborhood, but obviously the interaction with human beings to this extent is very concerning for lots of folks. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Again, if you want to see some pictures or video of the fire on Sutherland, we have some on our Instagram at 680CJOB. We'll have more at CJOB.com and, of course, on Global News Morning. Another thing we're after at 204-780-6868, we're asking you to tell us about a time where you can't believe you became that person. Like Mr. Mackling, who says he drove away from the gas station the other day with a gas nozzle still in his automobile. I didn't leave the property. I want to be very clear about that. I only got 10 feet, but I was as embarrassed as I've ever been in my life, Brett. I can't believe I did it. At least I disconnected. Like, I didn't Thank know that goodness. they had that, that sort of safety thing. Oh, though. man. But we are getting a lot of uh, people with the same thing, like Amber, who says, you are not alone, Greg. Also, this is not me, to be clear. This is my sister <laughs> of a few course, years ago. Of course, she wouldn't want it to be her. She's <laughs> being consoling at the same time, just so we're clear, not me. And, but Amber says she left the co-op with the hose a few years ago. There's an accompanied picture here of this hose attached to the car, but Amber adds the best part is at the time she was a co-op grocery store manager. <laughs> I, I did feel a little better after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it must. I wonder if that like if that that's why they would have had to come up with this disconnector system because of the 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 number of times it happens just in Winnipeg alone has to be mind-boggling. Never mind how many gas stations are there across 
The land. <laughs> yes. Yes, let's go with that. Um, and then we also have uh, Arthur who says, oh, on the coyotes front, Arthur weighing in with the coyotes saying, on three different occasions, I have seen a lone coyote on Chief Pegasus Greenway around where Springfield Road was cut off to make way for the trail for Chief Pegasus Trail. Yeah, uh, one of our listeners, Rudy, says he's seen multiple come out from the Buns Creek uh, uh it's like a, it's a greenway. It's a, it's a path there. Lots of people go in there. It, like I said, lots of coyotes in that part of the city. This is that, that's that part of it is not unusual, Brett. Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by cooperators investing in your future together. Winnipeg Blue Bombers are preparing for the Calgary Stampeders this Friday night with a win on Canada Day under their belt. Yeah, an impressive 17-3 win on Saturday in Montreal. Had the opening kickoff pushed back an hour, 40 minutes. Interesting circumstances. Our guys handled it really well. The, you know, big delay. They were ready to go, you know, for five to seven. <laughs> and then eight something, right? So I thought they did a great job of, of uh, making sure they were ready again, which isn't always easy. That is Blue Bombers head coach, Mike O'Shea. Coach's show tonight, by the way, special Tuesday night edition with the pseudo holiday yesterday at 7 till 8, part of the sports show tonight. Right now, joined by Blue Bomber running back Brady Oliveira. 20 rushes for 112 yards Saturday night. Good morning, Brady. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. It's a pretty tidy performance for you in the rain in Montreal on Saturday. You've experienced weather delays in the past. What did what did you do to pass the time, and and how did you ultimately get refocused? Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's quite difficult. You know, you, you get on this on this crazy high. You know, you're ready to go out, uh, take the field, and and you know, ultimately start the game, and then you know all these delays and. And another 15 minutes added, an extra 15 minutes added, and just kept on going and going. So, uh, yeah, I mean, lots of good conversations with teammates. It was almost like a, you know, extra time for us to get closer as a team and and some really good team bonding and and guys like maybe you don't really have many conversations with and with and and just to get to know your teammates even more. So, uh, lots of good conversations, and then also you know just maybe me personally, you know, put, putting on some relaxing music and. And, you know, taking off my pads, getting my legs up and, and just relaxing. Um, but just knowing that there can be a sudden change at any moment and you got to stay ready and put those pads on right away and strap up and, and get going. And then what was it like playing in that? Like, I couldn't quite, it was, it was on, well, no, it was out for dinner, but it looked like it was raining either on and off or through the whole thing. Yeah, pretty steady yeah, throughout the whole game. Uh, there was, parts of the game where it was coming down and uh, I think there was maybe about 10 minutes throughout the game where there was about no rain so we thought okay maybe it's done but then they'll continue to keep going but um, yeah it was uh, definitely a wet one um, but no it was fun the guys uh, the guys had fun I think we did a great job handling you know the circumstances of the of the delay uh, the weather uh, we went out there and handled business Brady, I often call uh, Andrew Harris uh, the professor and you the uh, PhD student. Uh, I think you could start 
teaching your own classes, you really have more or less picked up from where you left off last year. But that performance on Saturday night, one of the things I've always admired most about Andrew Harris is, was his ability and, and continues to be his ability to, to move the ball and to gain positive yardage when everyone in the stadium, everyone watching on television knows he's getting the ball. And to a great extent, that's when you were carrying the ball on Saturday. So so how do you how do you, you know, find a way to gain positive yardage when you know everybody is, is pretty sure you're getting the rock. Yeah. And I think, you know, people might call me crazy, but uh, I love that the most when they know I'm going to run the ball. Um, it's even like a bigger challenge and, and an obstacle that I got to, you know, I got to face and I got to beat uh, knowing that they know I'm going to get the ball. And, and then in my mind, it's like, well, you know, you got to try and stop, uh, you know, this offensive line first, and then you know, you got to try to get to me and stop me uh, next. And uh, it's always a good challenge, and it's fun. Uh, you know, I'll say I like getting those uh, those tough yards, and, and it always seems to be, you know, th- those when those tough yards, you know, start to come out. And uh, yeah, no, it's been it, it's been good. It's been fun. You know, that offensive line is doing a great job. Our, our receiving core. I mean, I think you know when you talk about the run game, everyone always. Oh, of course, talks about the offensive line. I think they obviously get things going in the run game, but um, you know, up here, especially with the receivers coming into the box to block and on the perimeter, allowing you know those runs to get extended. And our receivers are doing you know a tremendous job right now blocking. Um, you know, one guy that comes to my mind instantly is Rashid Bailey. Uh, he did so much of the dirty work. Obviously, Dembski not being in that game, but so Rashid really stepped up and. Um, Wally, like Walatarski, you know, show everyone like the blocking that they're doing, allowing us to get more yards in the run game. Um, so it's definitely a total team effort in, in the in the rushing department. And yeah, we're just going to keep on building and keep on improving to get better. Our guest this morning for breakfast with the Bombers is Brady Oliveira, running back for the Bombers. No Nick Dembski on Saturday, but then Greg McRae steps in and gives the offense yet another weapon for the Alouettes to deal with. So how does that open up the field for you? Oh, it's, I, uh, I was actually very pleased with that. Um, you know, I think Greg compliments me, you know, perfectly. Uh, I think it's a mixed match, mixed match for the defense. And I think it's something that we need to continue, uh, to show every single week and continue to build on that package because I really do think it throws defenses off and, you know, just looking at how my career has kind of panned out, you know, uh, looking back at my college career at North Dakota, um, there's a, another running back named John Santiago who was with us uh, in 19 training camp and then was with us for a couple weeks. But uh, they called us Thunder and Lightning in college. And I was a Thunder. He was Lightning. Uh, he was a, a speed, fast dude. And I was more of the, you know, the power back. And I think, you know, you look at Greg and I, and that's kind of the similar thing. And, and it really does throw defenses off. So, like I said, I hope we can keep building on it. Uh, you know, Greg McCray is, uh, you know, one heck of a dude. He's uh, um, a hard worker. He's a, he's a good guy in the locker room, um, really puts everything into this. So, yeah, I'd like to see him get more opportunities, and I think it will only benefit our team. Well, we have to talk dogs with you anytime we have you on the show, Brady. So let's shift gears for the last one here. Uh, not only uh, do you love your own dogs, we know how much you love others. Tell us a little bit about where you were over the off season. Cause I don't think we've spoken to you on the program uh, since the off season. Yeah, I was in, uh, I was in Bali, Indonesia for two months. Uh, I was on a rescue mission there with my girlfriend, Alex. And uh, yeah, we got lots, Lots of good work done. We were able to help out, uh, you know, local rescues out there, ind- independent rescuers out there, and uh, and yeah, really support them, be there for them, raise money for them, and uh, yeah, we, we 
it's uh it's crazy you know what's going on there with the dogs in the streets um you know the 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 positive of being out there was uh you know the people don't have the means out there um some of them but they really do try to you know do whatever they can to help help all the dogs out there and the street dogs so um yeah alex and i were there for two months helping rescue street dogs we brought lots into our into our villa um rehabilitated them and and then ultimately found them homes and got them adopted before we left so uh, it was great. Uh, we filmed season two of our of our mini series called Running Back to the Rescue. So, season one for people that want to watch is on YouTube. You can just search up uh, Brady Oliver Running Back to the Rescue. Season one was filmed in Mexico. Season two should be dropping sometime in November, December, and then I guess we we'll see where season three is going to be. But I'll be definitely somewhere warm next off season. Uh, yeah, doing uh, doing rescue work. And before we let you go, Brady, I was having a conversation on Friday with a couple of people, and I had already previously thought this, but it was the others who were saying that Winnipeg is a football town. And one person said, why do you think that Winnipeg is a football town? And for me personally, I think it's because of stuff like, you know, we all, everyone knows the great work that you do with dogs, and you're just a shining example of, of how so many of the bombers get out into the community. The, you, you know, the, you're so visible and that people don't just see you as this like godlike athlete, but you're just a person trying to do good things in the community, but you're also pretty good at football. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's great. All the you know guys in our locker room, uh, you know, like to be out in the community, like to show face, you know, like to make, you know, Winnipeg a better place. And I think that's very important. And uh, like you said, Football, you know, Winnipeg is a football town, and I think, you know, the guys being on the community truly does help that. Running back Brady Oliveira joining us live for breakfast with the Bombers. Kick some butt on Friday. Thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. 747 with Mackling and McGarry. McNabb off for a couple of weeks. Brady's just so coming to his own. Yeah. Not only you mentioned the off-field leadership, but now on the field, he's just like I said, just picked up right where he left off last year. There was a little bit of a learning cur- curve last season as he stepped into the starting role. It took him six, seven games to get rolling, and now he's just he's just one of the, the dominant running backs in the Canadian Football League, never mind his passport or his birth certificate. In the meantime, already getting annoyed to seeing chirping on social media about the Argos. Wow, the best team in the league, only undefeated team. Hopefully that motivate that provides some motivation. Perhaps. I would think it does. I don't know how much time the, the, the players spend on social media, but I have to say the Argos do really good on the social media, and the back and forth is outstanding. Hey, don't forget about the Blue Bomber podcast as well, hope, hosted by Mr. Greg Mackling. You can find that at cjob.com. And a reminder that we have tickets to give away for this weekend's game, for Friday's game. Tell us a time, a moment, where you found yourself thinking, I can't believe I just can't became that person. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off for the next couple of weeks. Coming up after Global News at 9 o'clock, we want to tell you about some an exciting show that is coming to Winnipeg in November. It is the Much Music Experience Tour. It's a documentary screening, and then a whole bunch of the old VJs will be there for an intimate and interactive experience. So we'll learn more about that at 9.05. And then at 9.35, it's the final push before what will be one of the biggest 
charity golf tournaments of the summer. The Pritchard Memorial, the 26th Pritchard Memorial. They raised almost $100,000 last year for cancer care treatment in Manitoba and had over 300 golfers. That's such an incredible amount of people rallying together for the same cause. Yeah. Uh, I think normally what 144 is sort of the max yeah. number. I'm curious to hear from Darren how they managed to handle 300. I guess well, we'll find out from him. I have a guess is how they do it, but we'll find out from him. That's coming up at 9:35 and before we talk sports, we're asking you about a time where you had a moment where you kind of realized I never thought I'd be that person. What does Daryl say? Daryl says, I can't believe I'm that guy who leaves early from socials, weddings, or with friends playing cards. I used to laugh at those people, those old people. He says, I guess I'm officially old. (laughs) Daryl, I can relate to that. 204-780-6868. Tell us a story for a chance to win either bomber tickets for Friday's game against Calgary or for tickets for the Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course at IG Field in August. We'll pick that winner at 9.15. But right now, let's switch to the Jets because Winnipeg Jets fans were promised a summer like no other. And so far, that's how it seems to be going. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a Los Angeles king. Blake Wheeler is now a New York Ranger. We have to evolve. We have to make some changes. You know, we didn't get to where we wanted to go, you know, but that doesn't diminish, you know, the good things that happened along the way. And we got to a certain point. Uh, we kept on pushing, pushing, pushing to try to, you know, see if we can continue to do it with, you know, the group that we had and, and everything like that. Now we've got an opportunity with that trade, you know, to have like some really good young players come in that have room to grow. But we added a great player in Alex Iafala too, where he's a culture guy, he's a character guy, he's, you know, he plays hard. First words out of his mouth when I talk to him, uh, he says, I'm, I'm coming to Winnipeg to win a cup. I know a lot of fans are looking at this summer with a lot of consternation. I happen to be in the opposite side, a different camp on that front. Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff there discussing the evolving identity of his hockey club. Jim Toth, co-host of Jets at Noon and, of course, host of the Jim Toth Show, joins us now. And, Jim, where do you sit on this side of it in terms of the opportunity? This is the way I'm looking at it. at the opportunity that this summer presents for the Jets to to reset their roster and maybe reset some conversations around this hockey club? Well, I think it's a great opportunity. And good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. And I, I agree with that assessment. And I said about two weeks ago on Jets at Noon that when all these rumors were swirling and we heard that Hellebuck doesn't want to resign now and, and we kind of thought that Shifley and Wheeler would be going and then we knew that Pierre-Luc Dubois would be going... I said, well, let's do the opposite. Let's say they re-sign Connor Hellebuck for $9 million. Let's say they re-sign Pierre-Luc Dubois for $9 million and they do want to stay. Is the team any better than what you've seen over the last five to six years? And I'm a big believer in sort of building a core and trying to augment around it and keeping them as long as you can. But we know this team shopped some guys last year and, and the return wasn't going to make the team overall better. So they ran it back again, and it looked great for three months, and then some old habits uh, broke back in, and and we all know how the season ended and how disappointed and disgusted Rick Bonus was and how the players had a pushback. I I think what's lost in the struggles of the team the last couple of years, guys, is is the fact that they want to win too, right? And and, and they're in it, and so when you're in something, you might not see how you have to help make the team better or, or things like that, but... When you're in it and, 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 and things are pushing hard, I think this is a great opportunity to, to you pushed and, and you didn't get it done. And, and realistically, over the past five to six years, as much as I believe in this roster on paper, it just hasn't gotten it done. So 
I think it's a tough thing to do for Kevin Dayoff, but I think it's a needed thing, and I think he and the organization understand that. But also, if he does this right, I think the team's better. I think the team is, is going in a direction that you can change some of the culture that's in and around it, alleviate some of the clouds with some new fresh faces, some fresh faces that have won before, and, and set this organization in a new direction. Um, Blake Wheeler will be a lifelong Jet. He, he leaves a huge legacy. But even we know over the past couple of years, and he's talked about it in the off-seasons, about how he, he worried about things too much and how it wore on him too much. I think change can be good. The problem is, is we resist change. But once it happens, we often look back and go, oh, wow, like why didn't I do this sooner? I think the Jets did the right thing up until this point, but now I think it's time to change. And I think they will look back at this and, and see this opportunity if they can do it right and say, you know, this was for the best place and, and this is why we're a better team now. I want to play another piece of audio here from Jets GM Kevin Dayoff. This is him on some of the players in the organization yet to play with the big club. There's lots of good pieces. We've got guys like Lambert and Lucius and Chibrikov that are turning pro this year. Like, that's exciting. You know, Rutgers had made great strides in his first year in college. You know, that's exciting. I think getting Colby Barlow, that's the type of Winnipeg Jet player. You know, getting, you know, Zach Daring, like, those are guys that are embracing, you know, I think what, you know, we want here moving forward and, and exciting. I think people should come out to the development camp this week. There's, you know, one of the things that I think COVID took from us for, you know, the last little while is we haven't been able to have one of these, you know, and, and uh, I'm really excited, you know, to see the guys skate, to come together. You know, Solomonson's going to be coming in from Sweden, haven't had a chance, to, you know, to come here. Last year he broke his leg before going to the World Junior. Uh, you know, Wagner, uh, you know, DeVincentis, uh, all those players are going to be here for the first time so we're we're really excited about you know seeing the future of the Jets you know on display so I guess we can safely say that the GM is excited about the future yeah I think he is and he's got a bunch of good young pieces once again and and as opposed to the advice I thought that with the expiring contracts this after next year to kind of deal some of those away and load up um, he did the right thing, I think, in hindsight, and I was wrong. I think they have to keep these pieces and build around it so one way they can get guys. But, you know, something that stands out to me is that I follow a clip where, where Kevin Chevaldeoff said, you know, he's coming here to win a cup. And Lardy was on this at noon, and he said, you know, I, I look, it's great living in Los Angeles and going to the beach and playing hockey, but they have Kings fans. They don't have hockey fans. I'm Canadian. I'm looking forward to coming here. We always focus on, because it's true, Older players, players like Pierre-Luc Dubois who can choose where they want to go, they don't choose Winnipeg too often. But there's a young core of, of young players that are coming in that want to be here. There's a, there's a fresh idea that if I can come into Winnipeg and be a difference maker and we can win there, it's better than winning anywhere else. It's a Canadian market. So they do have a lot of great young pieces coming in. They held on to them at the deadline, and, and rightfully so, given the, what we saw in the playoffs. But it brings in what he said, that fresh attitude. Are they going to be enough to get him over the hump and win a cup? Not right now, not at all. I think there's more work to do. I think Kevin Cheveldayoff has to continue the autopsy on this team. And I think he does have to, what we're hearing from the insiders, circle back with the Hellebucks and the Shifleys and go, what is your plan? We've made a deal. We've drafted well. This is our plan. Do you want to be a part of it now? And, and also, I think when you look around the market, guys, what we're hearing, if Connor Hellebuck wants $9 million a year, it's a tough year for that. It's, he's not going to get it. 
And I, I wonder if you can sort of circle back to him and go, look, we can't do nine, but these are the pieces we've put in place. This is the change in the direction we're putting this organization. These young players are going to be good. Would you consider seven and a half to stay? Would you consider being a lifelong Jet? Those are the conversations they're going to have. And then if not, that's fine, guys, because I think you can go back to the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade your Kevin Dayoff and sell some beachfront property again. You're going to get some other assets in here. But I think what, what's lost in that clip that we're not talking about is Kevin Dayoff said, you know, we did what we could. We ran it back enough, sort of, and I'm paraphrasing, but you do that, right? You build a really good core, which they did here, and you try to augment it. But after five or six years, contracts are dictating it too, but you can only run it back so often. And you have to sell before they're not worth anything. And so I kind of like this idea. And I, I think you're right, Greg. It's a great time to be a Jets fan because they are – I know people always say that, oh, they don't do anything. They are doing things. They are changing the direction of this team and, and the leadership of it. And I think it's an exciting time to be a Jet fan. Yeah, and unfortunately, two of their biggest pieces from the move from Atlanta, Brian Little and, and Dustin Bufflin, you know, left this organization without any return of assets. They essentially retired or were forced out of the game. And so uh, that's a big, big issue for a lot of teams, not getting rid of guys early enough to ensure that you get something for them. Uh, by the way, development camp runs uh, from today through Saturday, practice sessions uh, begin tomorrow morning at 9.45. So if you want to go check those out in person, you can. Last one for you quick here, Jim. Does number 26 ultimately hang from the rafters at Canada Life Centre? I think it does. Uh, I think that this was, from what I heard and, and dug into a little bit of things, it was more mutual than, than what some people think, that it was a fresh start for, for Blake Wheeler. And, and I think he did a good job, you know, losing the captaincy and, and still putting up 50-some points in 70-some games and towing the line. But I also think the way the season ended and some of the comments um, uh, happened and, and the way the team follows him, I think it was time for a change. And I think it's time for a change for Blake. Uh, I think that he'll go to the New York Rangers. I, I see him doing what Jerome McGinley did. And I think I know, I know some people at Smarket continuously tell me for years, he's done and he's too old and slow. He's not. I think he's going to go to New York and play a second power play. And I think he's got 60 points in him. And I, I think he chases one-year deals in a cup for the next two to three years. Um, but, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think that the, you know, it's, it's a good mutual parting of ways. And, and, uh, I think the organization can take this now and hand the team to the Josh Morrissey's, the Adam Lowry's, the Nick Ehlers, the Kyle Connors with some influence from some other people. And, and as Rick Bonus said, when he took the captaincy from Wheeler, we're all in this together. I think if you sort of take the, the pseudo leader away, and people start to have to form their own opinions now, it'll be a good thing for the organization to sort of go forward. Jim Toth is... I do do think it goes up eventually. I think time heals everything. Uh, The 12 years he spent here in the community and on the team. The one thing about Blake is whether you like the way he handled things or not, it wasn't from a lack of caring, and it wasn't from a lack of desire to win. And I think that's what rubbed a lot of players the wrong way, is, is he wanted to win a lot more than some other players did or took it way more seriously. But regardless of whether how he handled it and it was right or wrong, I think it came from a, a, a place of wanting to desperately win and, and win here in Winnipeg. So I do think that time heals and that it does go up in the rafters eventually. Jim Toth is the co-host of Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and the host of the Jim Toth Show weekdays 1 to 3 on CJOB. Jim, thank you, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week, and uh, maybe we'll see one of you out there on the ice at development camp. There's still a shot, Grant Mackley, and there's still time. All right, got to get <laughs> new laces for my skates, though.
Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing holding to do me those back. Up for you because it's hard to bend over at this age. We both know that, but but you you got a shot, man. Okay. Well, Godspeed uh, on that, Greg, if you take your shot. Hey, a quick football note. Big thanks to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They brought up, they're in their game day special for this Friday's game. Country night, Winnipeg Blue Bombers against Calgary and the game day food special, the Nashville chicken sandwich. Fried chicken sandwich. It's got uh, spicy Nashville aioli topped with lettuce and pickles. And you can get this in concessions 109, 128, 209, and 234 for 13 bucks. Tailgate Plaza, by the way, opens at 5.30, kickoff at 7.30. And within the tailgate area, you'll have a chance to take a ride on a mechanical bull. Oh, that sounds very safe. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fun and precautions will be uh, taken. Oh, I'm sure, but you won't get me on it. $5 beer, $3.50 hot dogs, $3.50 soft drinks until kickoff. And halftime will feature a performance by Winnipeg country music band Petrick. Nice. And country music will be played all night long. Okay. Get your tickets right. at bluebombers.com or call 784-7448. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb's off this week. If you're just tuning in and missed the news that there was that big fire on Sutherland this morning, they're still dealing with that. But uh, we have some video from our view on the 30th floor. We posted it to our 680 CJOB Instagram. It's really, we've never seen anything quite like it. So go there to take a look at it. It was quite horrific, horrifying to see. Um, and also a reminder that we have tickets to give away for either Friday's Bomber game against Calgary or... The Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course, and I'll just quickly read one here. We'll pick our winner at 9.15, but this unnamed listener says, I never thought I'd be so concerned with being tidy and organized in my home while being a minimalist. My wife, on the other hand, is a maximumist. So I guess you would have to learn to minimize your frustration with the the maximized. I think uh, this listener could probably relate very well to my wife. (laughs) Okay, oh, who, who would like to be a minimalist? But uh, I am standing firmly in the way of that. <laughs> my 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 being, my philosophy, and my thirty seven totes of uh, of memorabilia and other things that I've been carrying around with me for a couple of decades. So that's not <laughs> that's not happening in our house anytime soon. We'll pick a winner at nine fifteen, and then the winner will pick the prize, and we'll give away the second prize in our next half hour. But right now we want to talk about much music. Oh, yes. I don't know about you, but much music was a huge, huge part of my life growing up. For the bulk of the 1990s, it was always on. Almost everything I learned about music during that time was because of much music. So when I learned of this show that's coming to Winnipeg, I got pumped. There weren't any studios. You did the shows inside of the workspace. I realized at the beginning there was nothing that we wouldn't do or play. There was no script. There was no direction. There was nothing like this in the world. The very first time I walked into the building, it hit me like, I need to be here. I was this kid who was this huge fan. Now I'm here. Now I'm a part of it. Just talking about it right now gives me goosebumps. That's a snippet from... 299 Queen Street West, the Much Music Experience Tour. It's a documentary screening followed by an intimate and interactive visit with Much Music VJs. November 27th at Centennial Concert Hall. Sean Menard is director of 299 Queen Street West. Sean, good morning to you. 
Good morning, boys. Winnipeg, here we come. Well, you know, Winnipeg uh, had a big impact on Much Music, several hosts from Winnipeg over the years. I think the first, I know Steve Anthony isn't from Winnipeg, but I think that was the first voice I heard in that clip. Talk about, uh, you know, Canadian music, the impact Canadian music. We heard a Age of an Electri- a Age of Electric song off the top there, courtesy of our producer, Jeff Forche, a video that was filmed here in Winnipeg and got tons of play on much music. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, it gave an avenue for so many Canadian artists that otherwise, you know, maybe wouldn't have had that opportunity. And here was this local channel and you're right, they would they would play uh, Age of Electric or name the Canadian band, you know, Nickelback or uh, Tragically Hip or whatever. And then they would start selling out across the country. It was, um, there was really nothing like it. And much, it still exists as a channel under the name Much. Uh, much Music lives on in name as an account on TikTok. But it's the whole thing. It's just such a different experience now. And I'm not being like old man yells at cloud. Uh, just things change and they evolve, right? But what did make Much Music so special in those early uh, years? And then it's, you know, as it, as it became a juggernaut in the 90s. Well, I think it was just the live aspect. You never knew what you were going to get. And it was the only place in town. I mean, if you wanted to hear or even see your favorite artist, you had to watch live television. And what was interesting about making this documentary is, uh, of course, there's tons of archives that I had access to, but they didn't, you know, store everything. So I was actually sourcing a lot of people's VHS tapes that during COVID, had uploaded onto YouTube where they just recorded, you know, two hours of, of randomness on much music. And it, that little sense of charm, it gives the film, um, you know, the, the opportunity for people to get that feeling again of what it was like to watch it. And that's sort of what we used to do once upon a time with, with the radio, you would wait for a block of songs and you'd press record and, and pray that the DJ didn't talk over the beginning of the song. You were trying to pirate off the radio, uh, but much music th- that was available all the time. Like it was a living, breathing video mixtape. It, it really was. And I didn't, I didn't realize, I, I just assumed that all the VJs had tons and tons of on-camera experience. Um, and then when I made the film and started interviewing them all, I realized the commonality they all shared was that it was all their, not only their first time on television, but it was live across the country and they had such freedom. They really truly could play whatever they wanted to. And there was such a beauty in that. So what led you personally to want to take on this project and direct 299 Queen street West? Uh, Well, much like yourself in the nineties, I grew up watching the channel. The VJs were very much my babysitters and, um, you know, I've been making documentaries for, for about a decade now independently, and this was something I was chasing for a while and felt that very much that the history was being forgotten. Uh, all those tapes were just sitting on shelves and eventually will expire. They do have shelf life. And um, I just decided to start financing it. I put up my house. I just started moving forward, cut a trailer, sent it to the rights holders who eventually um, said, oh, okay, let's let's make this. And they gave me full access. And we started digitizing, you know, 95% of the footage in the film didn't exist in a digital format. They were straight from the camera operator's old tapes. And so the film really is um, just uh, my way of uh, showing many people how did we get here, this piece of Canadian history, and then also music history, right? 30 years, music went on this incredible ride and they had the biggest stars. Um, so that's what the film really placates to. 
Well, uh, we don't we don't have enough time, nearly enough time to talk about this, Sean. Maybe we can speak with you closer to uh, this event coming up here in Winnipeg to get tickets. 299queenstreetwest.com, November 27th, Centennial Concert Hall. Can't wait for this. What an outstanding idea, not only the documentary, but the tour that's going with it, Sean. No, I appreciate it. I wanted to give people that live experience and, and tap into that nostalgia that everyone kind of remembers. So that's... Yep, that's right. November 27th at Centennial Concert Hall. It's going to be loud, and it's, uh, if you're a fan of music, uh, you're really going to have a blast. Sean Menard, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate this. No, I appreciate it, guys. Look forward to Winnipeg. We'll do some concert takeaway, uh, ticket giveaways, too, closer to the date. Excellent. Looking forward to it. The movie is called 299 Queen Street West. You can get tickets at 299queenstreetwest.com. Get to watch the documentary and then have that intimate and interactive session with several Much Music VJs. But, yeah, just the memories are flooding back, especially you mentioned Steve Anthony. I think he was my favorite, too, Greg, because of the, he would do things like the the pumpkin. I'm pretty sure there was a pumpkin slingshot and they would then, then the the Christmas tree toss. Yes, they, the Christmas tree toss. They like put rockets on the back of the Christmas tree <laughs> to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course that that address was so famous, right? Yeah. Because they would say, you know, we're broadcasting live from two ninety nine Queen Street West, and and they would have those big concerts, and then they would open the doors onto Queen Street West. As you say, all the memories flooding back now as we talk about this. So really looking forward. I'm going to have to get tickets for this event. I cannot miss this. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It is McGarry Mackling. Mackling McGarry McNabb is off this week. And next week we are asking you about a time where you had a moment where you realized, oh, I'm, I'm. I'm that person now, am I? Like Greg, when he drove away with the gas nozzle still in attached to his automobile. And uh, he stopped immediately, brought it back, didn't drive down the block dragging a hose or anything, but <laughs> it happens. We've got a lot of people who say they have done that. And uh, one of our runners up here is Henry Pauls. This, again, tough, always a tough decision to pick just one. But Henry says, I used to work next to a casino. Great food. So we would go there for lunch. I would think that the people who threw their money into the slot machines were idiots. I never gambled. And the only time I went to Vegas, I put one quarter in the machine and regretted that. One time walking out of the casino, I threw in some loose change. And with one spin, won $100. Well, that led to a bit of a habit that turned into a temporary addiction. I had become that person. I thought I could outsmart the machine. But over time, that thinking can destroy you. I look at the people playing now a little differently and hope that they will get out before getting in too deep. Henry, that is not at all what we expected, and we thank you for sharing that experience. Um, and good for you for getting out. That's one of the reasons why I don't. I haven't sat down and le- tried to learn how to play those machines, any of them, because I don't want to go down that road. I relate to that uh, text uh Far too well, Henry. So thanks for sharing it. Uh, terrific message there uh, with regard to uh, understanding the other side of, of people having problems and issues, Brett. Taylor, though, today, and again, that was after, especially after reading that out loud, this is, it makes the decision even harder. But Taylor is today's winner. Yeah, I realized I was uh, old. I don't know if this is an old thing, Taylor. I'm going to back, I'm going to start trying to support you a little bit on this one here. But I went into the kitchen after my significant other had put the dishes away and started aggressively putting cups from one shelf to another. Went to the Tupperware container 
drawer and pulled everything out and reorganized the entire cupboard. I feel like my mom needing to have all the dishes in the right spots. After I was done, I shook my head like, oh, I'm like this now. (laughs) So relatable, Taylor. That's perfect. So you win either tickets for the Blue Bomber game on Friday night against Calgary or tickets for the Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course coming in August. This weekend, Greg, there is a gargantuan event. Gargantuan in terms of the size of this kind of event. It's way bigger than anything I've ever heard of on this front. So it's the 26th annual Pritchard Memorial Golf Tournament happening July 8th at Carmen Golf and Country Club. Last year, they had 306 participants and raised almost $96,000 for cancer care treatment in Manitoba. Now, the website is PritchardMemorial.ca. There are a lot of prizes up for grabs. There's a huge online auction, and Greg and I were just looking at this thing going, holy smokes, look at these crazy prizes. So we'll get to all that stuff in a moment. But first, let's say hello, reintroduce once again to CJOB, Darren Pritchard. Darren, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. So, Darren, I would suggest that uh, one of the main reasons this is such a big event is because... Of you, you're stu- you're an excellent ambassador and spokesperson for this event, which of course is in honor of your brother Mike. So maybe can you? We we spoke to you a couple of months ago, but for those who may have missed that, can you just give us a little bit of uh, some of the background here? Sure, absolutely. About the tournament, my older brother uh, uh, Mike Pritchard passed away from cancer back in 1998. He had sarcoma, cancer of the bone. Um, he was a golf course superintendent. Um, worked and helped build the new one up at Grand Pines back in the day when it was being built, worked in Minnedosa for a few years, worked in Carmen for many years, Um, and yeah, just a golf course superintendent and uh, passed away 25 years ago from cancer, and this is our 26th annual tournament. We're able to, which is kind of neat, is we're able to get through this tournament through COVID. So every year we bumped it around, we moved it into August and back and forth, but it has not missed a year in the last 26 years, and that uh, makes it pretty special. So, uh, And it's coming up this Saturday. Darren, how would your brother feel about this? The way the community, the way the province comes together year after year in his honour. Yeah, I think he'd think it's pretty special, you know, and if we can help anyone uh, from this terrible disease to, you know, to give back and give the money. And like you guys mentioned at the start, $96,000 in one day raising that kind of money for the for the cause is pretty, pretty special. And this year, you know, our goal is to crack 100,000. We've added some some more prizes. I still have a handful of prizes. I still got to finish off and get them on there. So we're going to have over 100 prizes online for people to bid on. Anyone can bid on them. I'm getting bids from Alberta and all over the place. People are asking if I can ship these jerseys to them into the U.S. I have people bidding on them in the U.S. So, it's uh, yeah, it's great. So we're getting bids from all over North America right now. Well, let's talk about this auction because, as uh, you know, I, I, as I looked at it again today, I was reminded at just the, the magnitude. Like I've, I see here there's uh, – a uh, Sidney Crosby jersey autographed. There's uh, an autographed uh, Matthews jersey. Uh, where, <laughs> how'd you get your hands on all this stuff? Yeah, so I mentioned that last time we talked a few months ago, my younger brother, Al, is... Uh, works for the Winnipeg Jets. He's the massage therapist for the Winnipeg Jets. And, and he himself has actually battled cancer twice. And uh, if you remember the Pritch Strong um, uh, back a few years ago, 
that was my brother Al. So he's battled cancer twice. So cancer is in the family, obviously. So that's why this uh, tournament means so much. But being the massage therapist, he has connections um, going to the other equipment guys and that to help us get these jerseys. So it's his connection that really helps us get incredible jerseys. And we try and pick some of the top players off every team. And that's why you can see the jerseys we have online. A lot of them are authentic out of the dressing room. And there are a lot of nice jerseys we have on here. Um, Yeah, and, and lots to bid on for sure. Right now we have over 32 jerseys online. I still have a couple more coming. We actually have one coming up from Florida. Uh, Jamie Compound talked to my brother, Alan. He's going to send up a Kachuk jersey. So that one that one should be a, a nice jersey coming shortly. Uh, Ottawa is sending us a jersey as well. And uh, right now we have over 53 prizes on there, and there's still a handful more that are going to show up on there. And then game use sticks. And the one we just got from the Bauer rep is pretty neat, as we have a brand-new Connor Bedard stick never been used but autographed by Connor Bedard so that's kind of a neat prize as well from the Bauer rep well I'm going to be going to speak to our engineering department to make sure that this website is blocked from any computers that I used <laughs> <laughs> and have used and will use over the next several days because i uh, getting itchy fingers here sweaty palms looking at some of these incredible prizes uh, being a stats guy like numbers Brett and I marvel at the number of, of golfers that you've had in the past what's the number at now and how do you manage that many golfers yeah, it's more than last year. We got a shade over last year. Quite a few people weren't able to make it this year just because of weddings and different things, but we were able to replace them. So I think we'll be about 310 golfers should be right around the number we're at. But yeah, we can't do a shotgun start because the tournament has outgrown the ability to do that in Carmen. So we actually, uh, my parents tee off first, first thing in the morning at 7.30. And every 13 minutes, we send off between 8 to 10 golfers and you, you golf beside another four or five some and we push them out and our last uh, eight or ten some tees off just right before three o'clock in the afternoon so it's a long day it's a full day but we're able to push 300 golfers through that golf course by the way, I just wanted to flag this now um, because I'm scrolling through <laughs> I'm scrolling through the auction and prize number 41. It's a Pelican Magna 100 one person kayak, uh, 10 foot long, and it's uh, sponsored by Canadian Tire. And its estimated value is 650. The current bid is 300. dollars The high bidder thus far is somebody named Brett M. And I just wanted to, <laughs> it's not me. Okay. I haven't put in any bids yet. So that was not me in case that Brett M comes up and someone's playing a prank on me or something like that. But um, like the final push, it's the final push. Can people still participate? Like, do you have a, is there a cap where you say, okay, we, get, we can't take any more golfers? <laughs> Actually, we can get a few more in. Um, if there is anyone else who'd like to golf in a foursome or fivesome, I could squeeze a few more into the tournament if they let me know right away because we have to get the cart signs and everything printed up. So absolutely, if there's someone else who would like to join, they're listening to the radio today and would like to join and come out to Carmen on Saturday to golf in this tournament, absolutely. We'd love to take, we could take probably another 10 to 20 golfers for sure. And by the way, with, with all of that, the, the people coming to the golf course, what about parking in terms of, is there enough room in that lot or is there, there like how does that all work yeah no absolutely and a lot of people come out and something that's new this year because we have so many people coming out uh they come out on friday and they come in camp the carmen campground is right beside so a lot of people are coming camping and making a whole weekend of it 
Um, we had a lot of people that wanted to golf on the Friday afternoon, and some people do and some don't. So we actually started another a small tournament on Friday afternoon. A two-person alternate shot tournament is Friday afternoon. We've already got about 30 people signed up for that. We hope to get more uh, signed up for that tournament as well. But between the campground and the Carmen Golf Course, there's a huge parking lot. We haven't run out of room. It'll be full. The parking lot will be full, but we will get everyone in there. Uh, if you hear uh, keystrokes in the background, it's because I'm creating a count now because I cannot resist <laughs> one of these things online. I'm bidding on it right now. Uh, Darren, uh, full details, PritchardMemorial.ca. Uh, is there any other ways for people to follow, follow what's going on, Darren, before we let you run? PritchardMemorial.ca absolutely is where you can see everything. The other thing I should mention is our raffle tickets. That's something which uh, helps us drive a lot of money. Uh, our raffle tickets are $20 each. Grand prize is a trip anywhere delta airlines will fly you anywhere in north america to any nhl arena to watch a jets game and you could win that for 20 bucks and you get to go to morning skate you get two tickets you get two hotel rooms in the uh, hotel where the jets are staying it's an unbelievable trip second prize is a fishing package and third prize is a thousand dollar gift card to thermaea on that $20 ticket, you actually get a two-for-one golf in Carmen. So if you are a golfer, you can go to Carmen and golf. That's a $45 green fee free just by buying a $20 ticket. Those are all purchased online, purchasememorial.ca, and I will mail out the stub to you in the mail so you can take that stub to Carmen and go golfing anytime during this season. Well, Darren Pritchard, it sounds like it's going to be a spectacular event. I looked at the weather. The weather looks good for Saturday. So, uh have a great time this weekend, and thank you for joining us. And, and kudos to you for, like, the, the amount. You must be so tired right now. <laughs> I enjoy it so much. It takes a committee. It doesn't take one person to do something like this. We have a pretty big committee, and we have one last meeting tonight to make sure we have everything in place because there is a lot going on. But I can't do this by myself, and I can't thank uh, my committee enough to help, to help make this work because it is a lot of work, but there's lots of us, lots of hands to help make it work. Darren Pritchard, on behalf of the 26th annual Pritchard Memorial Golf Tournament happening this Saturday at Carmen Golf and Curling Club. Darren, thank you for joining us once again. We appreciate it, sir. Thanks very much, guys. Full details at PritchardMemorial.ca. And by the way, just on the golf front, if you've never played Carmen, uh, you got to go. It's a great course. I've only been there once and it's one of the, I don't know why I haven't been back. And it's the, this is a reminder that I need to go back. And actually, I just pulled the uh, CJOB discount golf card out of my wallet to verify Carmen is on it. Hmm. So if you want, there's another reason to get the discount golf card. You can actually go to cjob.com for a chance to win one of those. Uh, if you just go to the contest page, uh, but Carmen's an excellent golf course and uh, super unique too. Cause there's one part where it, so you have to like go down the block to what they call the old course. I don't, I, I've never saw its original form, but they've got five or six holes down the street that take you through like what's basically a forest and it's uh, super unique because the, the newer part is great and all kinds of cool variety. And then they take you into this old part and it's just sort of rustic and neat. That has to be the only place in Manitoba where I've seen a highway sign that basically says you got to look out for golf carts, <laughs> which is fabulous. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, and it's not that long a drive out to Carmen. So No, Sills is right there. Like, I mean, you can do really... Uh, Take care of a bunch of different uh, must-dos every summer by uh, hitting the Col- Carmen Golf Course, Brett. Full details once again, PritchardMemorial.ca and the online auction. 
Good Lord, there are just so many prizes up for grabs here. So, Greg, I wish you Godspeed on your level of restraint. I I have put in one bid. That's the only bid. If it holds, it holds. But I got to have this thing. (laughs) So if you see my name, if you love me, stay away (laughs) from that item. (laughs)